Okay, let's see what's news today. Uh, the morning paper blues, huh? Oh, bad, bad, worse. Wait. Uh-oh. No, good news. The General Assembly in Richmond is working on a law to help Dominion Energy customers. If it passes, it's going to lower the cost of electricity. Uh, let me see. Right here. Wow, you're right. It saves Dominion Energy customers at least $350 million. Is it law? Mm, not yet, but I sure hope it passes. Great. Now pass me the comics. Legislation being considered by the Virginia General Assembly strengthens regulatory oversight and saves customers at least $350 million. That means a savings of about $6 to $7 a month for the average residential user, according to the State Corporation Commission, the agency that regulates utilities in Virginia. It's common sense rate relief that helps us continue doing what we do best, meeting the needs of our customers. To take action, visit dominionenergy.com forward slash rate relief. Paid for by Dominion Energy. Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome to Unfair, where we take a pensive approach to the sports conversation. Make sure you check us out wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to. And our partners at WMQGRadio.com at noon Eastern. While you're there doing that, rate us and review us. Give us five stars. I think we deserve it. Eh, give us five anyway. Gift it. All right, and so on today's episode of Unfair, we're going to dive into the latest trade that uh, has shaken up everything reasons why you can win and lose a super bowl we'll break into that i'm gonna dive into our unfair segment and wrap things up on some of the best super bowl trios of all time make sure that you hit us up on the fan line at 430-901-1906 again 430-901-1906 and uh tell us how much you uh, hate jimmy's takes so you don't with that <laughs> none of you do because i make you think, think jay what's going on with you uh what it do babe <laughs> Uh, <laughs> man it's uh it was a good solid sports weekend man we had buzzer beaters all yes. over the place i actually was working on a yesterday's sports news today and just didn't get a chance to finalize it and put it out this morning but man we had uh the buzzer beaters at the end that just whew, it was a fun weekend mm-hmm. uh on the basketball court which was great but let's talk about something that's a lot more interesting So, this weekend, we knew something was going to go down. We had expectations that um, there were going to be some player movements. Not as early as it happened, but it happened. So, um, there were leaks around the league that in conversations that the Detroit Lions were trying their hardest to make get rid of Matt Stafford before the Super Bowl. Yes. That sounds a lot very much ridiculous because why would you get rid of a guy before you truly had the opportunity to see what the market looks like but for some reason they were determined it must have been something in the clause of dan campbell's contract that we would guarantee this guy is gone as soon as you get on the steps like you want to see him for like five days I guess they gave him an eviction notice before dan campbell even got there and because of that eviction notice He's now gone. Uh-huh. So it's been officially announced that Matt Stafford has been traded to the L.A. Rams in exchange for Jared Goff, 
the 2021 third round pick, 2022 first round pick, and the 2023 first round pick. Now, this is the thing that's fascinating to me about this trade. It took three draft picks for the Rams to get rid of Jared Goff, who is seven years younger than Matt Stafford and has a much higher winning percentage and has also been to a Super Bowl. So it's obviously telling us that the Rams know something. And then with the Lions, it's a, I just, we just got to start over. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if starting over with Jared Goff is the wisest step to take, but it looks like the gamble they're going to go with. So Jimmy, as I look through this or whatnot, you had mentioned a question that I thought was pretty interesting. Now that this movement has happened, does this really mean that the NFL is more of a player mobile culture? And to tag onto that, tell me, what do you think is the thoughts that are going through the minds of one Dak Prescott as he is trying to figure out what's going to happen with him <laughs> and the Dallas Cowboys? It's a good question, Jay. Really good question. Um, Is this now the era of player mobility in the NFL? I think that this definitely is. I think that when you start to see a trend occur more and more, it becomes a pattern. And that pattern can become the staple of whatever league you're talking about. And that's exactly what this is. I mentioned on my solo show that the NBA and the NFL both pay attention to each other. They affect each other. So you have all these NFL stars who are in situations for whatever reason that they want to get out of, and they see these NBA players who are able to do just that and thrive where they go to next. So they think to themselves, okay, why can't I? So I think that's exactly what we're seeing. We saw with Kirk Cousins and what he went through in order to not only get himself out of Washington, in a sense, but get him a contract that most people would believe he doesn't deserve because there are things about that guaranteed money, fully guaranteed money, that other quarterbacks better than him should have as a part of their quarter, as a part of their, their contract. More on that some other time. Deshaun Watson wanting out as well. And as we've talked about that before, and we'll talk about it more and more until the point comes, then we see that with that. We saw that with Stephon Diggs, who got himself out of Minnesota. We saw with Jamal Adams, who got himself out of New York. So now we see it with this, with Matthew Stafford agreeing with Detroit that the best place for him is somewhere else other than Detroit to further his career elsewhere and to rapidly get what he wanted, which on one hand is them doing him a solid because he has been a good face of that franchise, even though he really hasn't won. But he has been a solid quarterback that doesn't keep the owner up at night wondering what he's doing and how he's making the Detroit Lions look, which I mean, because of how they haven't won a playoff game Probably, I think Dallas has won a playoff game before they have. Over they have last 20 years. one playoff win in 64 <laughs> years. 64 years. So, so that speaks for itself. So I think with this Stafford, not the fact that it was Stafford going somewhere else, but that it was done due to a trade. Trading former number one picks, I think, shows you that player mobility is now in the NFL, and you're going to see it play itself out in a multitude of ways, as we have been seeing over the last two to three years. So I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. And this is why, well, your one example you had, Kirk Cousins, who in his situation was, is that Washington didn't think he was that good. That was that was the whole play with that. They they lowballed him so much that they knew that he was never going to sign with them, mm-hmm. and it made it easier for him to go away. Franchise mobility. Either way, somebody's moving. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> well, you're seeing more quarterbacks moving around in comparison than you would at in the past. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, teams are coming to the realization that you can't win with these particular players. Like Detroit has learned, we have 12 years of film on Matt Stafford that tells you. 
that Matt Stafford's not going very far. He had they, the Lions as an organization. We have sixty plus years of tape of receipts showing you this organization will never go anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's how they're built. They just won't do it. They had a coach that was actually winning games. They had one coach that has sixty-two and fifty record as the head coach there, mm-hmm. and they decided that they didn't want to keep him um, because they wanted to go for somebody else who comes from a lineage who hasn't that hasn't been very successful, and that did not work. Talking out. about Jim Caldwell. Is that who it was? Yep, for Matt Patricia. Oh, God. Yep. Continue, please. Now, and, now Dan Campbell. Okay. Right, 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 right. So, <laughs> so you know, that, that, that's a, that's, I mean, go, go, look at that. That, that. That's a situation right there. And actually, I think I was off on the 62 and 50, but it's not the point. The point is he has a winning record. I think he's the mm-hmm. only Lions coach to have a winning record. So, outside of that portion of it, then you bring in a guy that, down his lineage, has not been successful. Mm-hmm. I do believe that you're right on the player uh, movement. You'll see more of mobility in football as teams will try to utilize his franchise tag and players will just be like, it's not going to play. Now that cap hit is sitting there, you got to figure out what to do. And so like we're going to the Dak Prescott situation, mm-hmm. he's going to have to sign with Dallas. There's no reason to leave. The team has got everything you need except for backup linebackers which that's something that they'll be able to address. But you can't leave a roster like that that honestly is pretty stacked. Okay, so with Dak, you have to sign what with Dallas? The franchise tender or are you talking about a long-term contract? Because they're not giving – they don't seem to be willing to give him the kind of long-term contract that he wants. Well, I put it like this. The way – after what happened this season, I think Dallas is going to give him the contract he wants. The contract he wanted was shorter. He wanted the four-year, not the Mm five-year. Dallas is not going to give him a five-year at this point. Uh, just because of the ankle situation, they don't know. They'll probably give him a three. And if he gets a three, it's perfect. He can prove himself, and then he can ex- he can really explode in the market because next year's cap goes down, mm-hmm. but the year after that, the cap should re-rise as we should potentially see more fans in the stadium, hopefully at the end of this year or the season afterwards. So because of that, Dak is in a better position to negotiate what he truly wanted, which was having just four years instead of a five-year deal. Mm -hmm. Dallas wants to keep him locked up for nine, nine to ten years was their entire goal. And if he does another franchise tag and then signs again, that is basically ten years. So you don't think there's any thought in Dak's head about moving on himself? Because at this point, maybe he's not as disgruntled as he was before this season, but feeling like he's deserving of this contract and that everybody else on the team, like Zeke Elliott, has been paid, yet I can't be paid the kind of contract I want. And then I look down the street in Houston and I see Deshaun Watson about to get what he wants. I see Stafford getting what he wants. I saw Cousins in that organization, Washington, sort of get what they want because neither one of them wanted each other in a sense. So he's, you feel like he doesn't even, he's not even considering playing that card of moving on to another franchise that will make him feel what he wants to feel. No other franchise will give him that kind of money. Hmm. No other franchise. I mean, we all know that Dak is a top 15. He's he's above average quarterback in this league. And nobody else is going to give him that kind of money. Hmm. Now, I mean, someone could be dumb enough, but I doubt anybody's (laughs) going to give him that kind of money. He's coming off an injury. And that's something that a lot of teams like to wait and see. Because if he's not the same, which... Dak isn't a super mobile quarterback anyway. He should be fine coming off this ankle injury. Um, Nobody's going to pay him like Dallas is willing to pay him. So Mm -hmm. looking around doesn't make any sense. And Dallas isn't going to let you anyway because (laughs) they just franchise tag you again. Mm -hmm. So you you don't want to do that. Um, But the Stafford deal does 
does make things look a little weird. Actually, I think the Stafford deal changes things on the Deshaun Watson front. Now we actually have a currency base. We, we actually now have a market price. Mm-hmm. Because if Stafford can get two, two ones and a third plus a quarterback, Deshaun Watson should be able to get at least two, three, th- three ones and uh, probably two twos. Mm-hmm. But that's the other thing to think about when it comes to why Deshaun Watson wants out. Deshaun Watson doesn't want out just because their team's just bad as a team. He wants out because ownership's trash. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, most of the teams that have the capital to get a guy like him. He wouldn't want to go to. Exactly. And so, <laughs> and because he has a no trade clause, which Dak does not have, that means he can go anywhere he wants to. He's going to have to go wherever he decides to go. But at the same time, in order for Dak to go there, he has to sign it, sign on a contract for them to be able to move him. So it's going to be an interesting situation to see what Dak does. It really throws a wrench into all of these quarterbacks that are displaced. Like we actually have notes from, you know, from a few shows that we've been floating about quarterbacks and where they can go. We have a lot to talk about around that. But I think the funny thing about this entire Stafford piece was he, I think he had a chance to go to the Patriots and the man said, no, did you you even, it was funny to me in the pre-production, you talked about, you didn't even know why. And I I am baffled that you did not put two and two together. Who's this former head coach? His former head coach, uh, uh, Matt Patricia. And guess where he went? Oh, that's right. He went <laughs> back to New England. Yes. So he's like, nah, nah New England is the team I do not okay, want That go wasn't to. big news because Matt Patricia is not a big name, but I understand that. Okay. Which, but he, it's he, just he, hilarious he, that he's like, I'm not going to New England, which right, so oh, New enough. England would have been good. Probably. All right. So fair enough. So fair enough. All right. So he ends up in L.A. So on this L.A. team, football-wise – I'm curious about whether how well this is going to work because obviously they wouldn't trade one for the other if they didn't feel like Stafford could deliver them something more than what golf could because now you look at Stafford's situation. You go from Detroit and the history of that organization and just Detroit period to the L.A. market to that brand new stadium with an incredibly offensive-minded head coach with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey backing you up on defense and up-and-coming running back in Cam Akers and a good wide receiving core. So with that around him, albeit in the NFC West, which is a tough division now, what do you think football-wise he will be able to do for that team? Well, the good thing for him is he has a quote-unquote genius at head coach who was basically playing quarterback the last four years with Jared Goff behind the center. Mm -hmm. He'll be able to do... He'll be able to do as much with that team as his body will allow him. We have to remember he's seven. He's what? 33. So he's 32, 33. He's seven years older than what Jared Goff is. And we've watched him get banged up in Detroit. Mm -hmm. He's about to go into a division that has a lot of defense. Yes. A lot of defense. And it's young defense. It's young, hungry defense. So, I don't know. I'm not going to say Super Bowl. I don't see them going back to the Super Bowl with Matt Stafford, even though Matt Stafford is really good. I will give him, I will give everybody that's ever defended Matt Stafford this. He is top 12. The funny thing is you can't call him top 10. Mm. That should be telling you something right there. He's an NFL quarterback. He is. He will always be an above average NFL quarterback. He's been very good in a lot of situations. I don't think he's good enough to get them to the Super Bowl, even with the, with the supporting cast. Now, them get rid of Jared Goff told me everything I needed to know about what was going on with them and Jared Goff. Jared Goff is just not good at all. Like, he might be one of the worst starting quarterbacks, number one draft pick quarterbacks mm. in history. I mean, 
up there in the Tim Couch era, and Tim Couch played for the Browns, and you know that the reason I mean, why he sucked because he was with the Browns. I mean, but you're, you're kind of crapping on Jared Goff a little bit. He has had several three, several seasons over 4,000 yards. One season, I think the Super Bowl year, he had something like 36 touchdowns. Now I know everything came together for them that season, went to the Super Bowl, everything was perfect, but that, doesn't mean, that, that does not mean he's a crappy quarterback. Jimmy, how many points is going to Super Bowl? Against an all-time defensive coach who people call the GOAT. Yes, yes three how points. Many, how many points I'm not excusing that. No, they sucked. Like, Belichick had him boxed completely. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that Goff is not the trash you're making him out to be. Jared Goff is bottom 15 in the NFL. That doesn't mean he's trash, though, does it? No, it makes sense. If you think he's trash, just say he's trash. No, no, no. I I can't say that he's trash because I can't. I can't say that he's trash. I can say that that he's an NFL quarterback. I don't know about him being – well, I'll put it like this. Him going to Detroit will show you just how bad he possibly is. Mm. Or it can show you that Matt Stafford just didn't know – Use what he had. The other thing about Jared Goff, too, he put up all those numbers. He also had an all-time defense. That's something that that, that we, we don't talk enough about is how each side of the ball has to help the other side mm. by not putting them in compromising situations. Matt Stafford really hasn't had a defense in Detroit. No. That's probably the reason why he has not been able to be so successful, and he's also had so many comeback victories. Um, somebody had mentioned, you know, of course, his nickname is, is Stat Padford uh, or whatnot as a joke. But he average wise, as far as coming from behind and everything, statistically, he's kind of an average quarterback mm-hmm. in the league. He doesn't he's not Kirk Cousins. You know what I'm saying? Who puts yeah. all their numbers up because they're always behind. Yeah, he's more of a he's he's more consistent. And he is a like I said, a solid NFL quarterback. I would give him top 12. No problem. Just not top 10. Now we have to see what exactly he's going to be able to do with the weapons that he's going to be placed in front of him, even though he's had weapons in his career, but now he gets a defense. That's where we're going to see truly what Matt Stafford can do. The only issue I have with Matt Stafford is the fact that he's 33 years old. Mm. Can he have an Aaron Rodgers type season? I don't know because Stafford has been beat up a hell of a lot worse than if what he Aaron is has. going to have that kind of a season is going to be this season where they can somewhat catch others off guard. Because I think that there are throws that he can make comfortably that Jared Goff probably wouldn't even attempt. Right. So That's after that, maker. the book's going to be out on him. He's going to be another year older. And then it might be back to the stat path for, that we're used to seeing or we're used to seeing in Detroit. Hopefully not, but at the same time, they are in the division with my favorite team. So in a way, it's like, I hope he does suck, but I am so curious to see what he looks like. Just what a different quarterback period looks like in this offense with Sean McVay. I can totally see that. Well, okay. Well, what other thing we always do here on these Monday streets is throw out the news. And now, Jimmy has the news. Uh, thank you, Wendy. All right, so, Jay, I have a John McClain story, not John McClain from Die Hard as played by Bruce Willis, but John McClain, sports writer for the Houston Chronicle, actually attributing to something that you talked about in regards to what type of haul Houston is going to look for with this Watson trade. He says this, uh, let's see, the Rams and Lions trade will have nothing to do with the Watson trade that Texas do it. They'll want two ones, two twos, and two young defensive starters at least. Four quarterback Watson, who's 25, under contract, great quarterback, team leader, etc. So, that type of a haul for him. Two ones, two twos, and two young defensive starters. Do you think that Houston will get that? Will get more than that? Or will get less than that? I think they'll get more just because of Sean Watson. I mean, he threw for 4,800 yards and 70% completion percentage and was up there in touchdowns. We had like 40. They still couldn't win. Yeah, he's going to get more. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that's deep. I mean, who has 
who would want to give up two young defensive starters? They Dolphins. can't be stars. They can't be stars. Dolphins. Dolphins. So and they, they get, got it too. Yeah, man, they, they do. So you can give up like a defensive end, probably not Xavion Howard or Byron Jones. I don't know. But I think somebody's going to be willing to pony that up I mean, just in virtue of how great of a quarterback he is and how young he is. And you have now quarterbacks playing at an elite level to age 40. Or the so 49ers. Y'all got, some, y'all got some, uh, a couple of extra young people. Can't have Nick Bosa. You cannot oh, have no, Nick Bosa or Fred Warner. You can't. Can't have him or Fred Warner. We'll see. What's next? All right, up next, uh, Goat Brady said that he will definitely consider playing past the age of 45. Now, that's always been his goal up until this point, to get to 45 and then retire. So my question to you is, in light of especially how he's played this season and if they win the Super Bowl, do you see Brady playing to 46, 47 years old? I hope not. I I don't want to see him try to push for 50 and then look like he's pushing for 50. That's the thing I fear. I I fear the, the view of looking like a quarterback that's old. I don't want it. I don't, he's such a competitor. I don't think he would let himself get to that point to where he looks like, you know, a 40. He doesn't want to look like a 46, 47-year-old quarterback because right now he doesn't really look like you a 43-year-old he quarterback. He looks like a 43-year-old quarterback. In spots, but not completely. Just like how they say when you get older, there are certain things you can still do. You just can't do it the way you used to when you were younger. But for Brady, having won six Super Bowls, that still can equal greatness. In this game, he looks like he's the, a 40-plus-year-old quarterback. So did Drew Brees. They both started looking like it uh, in their games. So, yeah, I, I don't want to see it. I don't know. He looked much better than Brees in his game. All right, uh, last story. Tua Tagovailoa, young quarterback for the Dolphins, says that he is a franchise quarterback but says he needs to prove it. Now, we know how the NFL works. Now, he's probably only going to get one more year to prove that he's a franchise quarterback. Will he prove that next season with the Dolphins? We'll even be their quarterback next season. Jimmy, is water wet or I mean, is 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 darkness dark? I mean, guess you've gotta prove it. No no shit, Sherlock. We kinda know that part. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um Tell me why did he say this? Because he's fearful that he's gonna get traded for Deshaun Watson, which Miami as well as the New York Jets are two destinations I think that Watson has mentioned he'd be willing to go to and waive his no trade clause. So yeah, you're going to have to prove it to him, but unfortunately the way you played this year, as much as some people were kind of somewhat high on you, you're showing that you're late in the pack, in the top 32, and that's going to hurt you. So you don't believe he will prove it this coming season? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Second year quarterback, sophomore slump usually kicks in because people have more film on you. So I'm a little worried about that part. But it's like even then, I think there is a way to offset that sophomore slump if your first year really wasn't that good. I mean, he had flashes in spots, but I think that he can play much better. Again, second year, that accounts for something with a stable coaching staff that knows what they're doing with a good defense and – I don't know who they're running. Who's their running back? They need. They definitely need to get a running back at some point. Consistent running, yeah. Free agency or the draft. But I think he can do it. I have faith in him. I believe he can. All right, we'll see. Is that it? Is it news? And that was Jimmy with the news. Thank you, Buck. I've been hard on Tua. He's a kid. Let let the man grow up a little bit. Like I said, sophomore slumps (laughs) kick in, and that's usually what happens. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.
All right, so Jay, the week is finally up on us. Super Bowl week, Super Bowl 55, live from Raymond James Stadium. Raymond James. This Sunday, the 7th at 6.30 Eastern. As we know, between your Buccaneers playing virtually a home game versus the reigning champ Kansas City Chiefs, Jay. So we have been, you know, in thinking about this, Jay, over the last week, as far as what is going to make or break this game between what is to me two pretty evenly matched teams, which is the way it should be in the Super Bowl. You have to think, all right, what ways can this team win and in what ways can they lose? Because I think there are both, both exist for each team. You know, each team can beat the other. So I want you to give me two ways and two, two ways that each team can win and two ways that each team can lose, starting with the Bucks. So with the Bucks, when you think about them, their game plan, what they have on personnel, et cetera, what are two ways do you think, or two things you think they have to do in order to win this game? So I think two things that Tampa Bay has to do in order to win this game, we may need to show up like the, the 2002 Super Bowl. Hmm. Defensively, we have to dominate. And that's kind of the piece, as you mentioned in your solo this weekend, about how your 49ers went up against this exact same team last year in which your team was all defense Mm -hmm. and they did everything that they were supposed to do to win that game. Your only issue is you were limited at quarterback Mm -hmm. who likes to throw the ball with his eyes closed and make sure that they're intercepted. (laughs) That's the complete opposite of what Tampa Bay has right now. Defensively, they have a top five defense Mm -hmm. and offensively they have a quarterback who's competent enough not to make those type of silly mistakes. So as long as the defense shows up, they got it. That's one piece. Mm. Uh, secondly, Tom Brady cannot do- throw three interceptions and seven passes uh, because the chiefs is one team that will make you pay for any turnover that you give them the opportunity to take. So as long as Tom Brady doesn't, doesn't just chunk it in the air when he feels pressure and the defense just and the defense plays physical, We'll be fine. For me, two ways to win. I think first thing you have to do is they have to pray to whatever God or spiritual entity they do or don't believe in. You have to pray. Pray that you can be nearly perfect in all three phases of the game. Because as Kansas City Chiefs team, they can take advantage of any mistake that you make in any phase of the game. And I was convinced, it's based on my solo show, in order to beat this team, you have to play a nearly flawless game. You can make a few mistakes here and there. They cannot be big mistakes, but you have to be as close to perfection as possible in all three phases, or else this Kansas City team will exploit you. They will run past you. They have to do that in all three phases. Second thing, control time of possession. You have by far the better run game. Two Pro Bowl-level running backs, you need to do that for the obvious reasons that everyone always says, to control time of possession and therefore take a possession or two out of Mahomes' hands and keep it with your offense. They've got to be able to do that. If they can't establish the run, and there's, it's not a given that they can, because I'm telling you, this Kansas City Chiefs, team is, this Kansas City Chiefs defense is underrated. they got to control time of possession. If they can do that, they'll win. I think we're overplaying the dangerousness of Kansas City versus a team that actually has a defense. Mm. That like 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 you mentioned, the the way your 49ers played, they should have won that game. Yeah. The reason why they didn't win that game is because you're limited on offense. That's the one thing Tampa Bay is not in comparison to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. They're not limited on offense and stopping Kansas City is not easy. I'm not saying that it is easy to do that. What I'm saying is is that Kansas City hasn't been able to cover a spread 
This is their first spread they covered in like nine games. All mm-hmm. their games are close. And the reason why they're close is because the defenses they've played over those, over that mark of those spreads being so close is mm-hmm. their defenses are – the defenses were good enough to do it. It's just making – I don't think a perfect game needs to be played because you can make Kansas City make mistakes. You just have to – you do have to be near perfect. But I think that's on both sides. I think Kansas City has to be near perfect as well. Mm-hmm. So two things for – two ways to lose this game though. Yeah, for the Bucks. Losing the turnover battle. Tampa Bay has a top five defense. Argue with your mama about it. They have a, Their defense is legit. And Todd Bowles, all he needs to do is take a piece out of Belichick's book and go shut down the one player on Kansas City's side. And if you want to be smart, go after the quarterback. Force Patrick Mahomes to do things he don't like to do. Make him move both sides of the field all the time. And then make his wide receivers stay underneath. That's, that's what you do. That's interesting that you say that as far as, let's say, their big three with Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey, which one to target? You say target Mahomes. And that makes perfect sense because he's the apex upon which everything on that offense is balanced. Yes, if you keep him running back and forth nonstop uh-huh. and, keep the, and keep the wide receivers in front of you, you'll be fine because if he's running as great of an arm as he has to chunk it downfield, mm-hmm. he's not going to out-throw Tyreek Hill while under pressure like that. I think that you have to stop, you have to stop Travis Kelsey. Because, yes, everyone's afraid of being bombed by Tyreek Hill, but Travis Kelsey, he gets so many huge third-down catches, and it seems like whenever he catches the ball, it's a guaranteed 15 yards. He just destroys the morale of a defense. Tyreek Hill, he can be schemed out of a game because Bill Belichick has done it, but Travis Kelsey, he's the hardest one to me to stop. I know Tyreek Hill's dangerous. Everyone's afraid of him. He can bomb you. He's fantastic. I get that. But Travis Kelsey, that's the one you have to stop. Well, yeah, because he's automatic. He's an automatic yes. dump. He's going to catch that bad boy, and he's mm-hmm. and he finds a way of getting open and getting to open. He's really good in open space. Let's put it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not being a football genius at all over here, but my my the thing I've always seen about Kelsey is that he always finds that pocket always. enough time. But that's also the thing that I've noticed that Tyreek Hill's been doing over the last over this season. Really, he's gotten really good about just finding the small pockets. Same thing with Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. I mentioned with those two are probably two of the most masterful route runners in the league. Add Adams to that list. You can even add Michael Thomas, even though everybody calls him the Mr. Slant because they say he only catches slants. He does. They do a really good job of finding that small pocket that their quarterback can get them the ball. If Tampa Bay puts enough, which puts enough pressure on Patrick Mahomes with their front four, which they can, and you keep the, uh, keep enough guys up front as well as deep, they'll be able to show. I mean, they did that a good job against, the Chiefs this season, I think the score was what, 27-24? Mm-hmm. You really slowed them down. And I feel like, say this out loud, I think Todd Bowles is a better D.C. than what Kansas City has. I would agree with that. All right, two ways the Bucks lose. I say, and you mentioned this earlier, Brady, if he gets more than one interception or if he throws an interception in the second half instead of the first half, they're not going to win this game. Yeah. Because that's all that they're going to need. And the second thing is Mahomes. If Mahomes goes Super Saiyan and elevates his game, Regardless of what your scheme is, there's nothing you can do. It is not going to work. So him playing out of his mind, that will lose him the game as well. And there's nothing you can do about that. No, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And and so two ways for KC. Yeah, to win. Uh, I thought we were just lose. I did, did the to win. What? Did we do to win already? You're supposed to do Bucks win, two ways they win, two ways they lose, then the Chiefs, two ways oh, they win, two ways. Anyway. So what did you just do? I think we – anyway, beard mustache <laughs> bull. All right, so two ways for them to – for the Chiefs to win yes. is going to be – um, for them to win, they've got to be firing all cylinders. That's going to be the first thing. Their offense is going to have to carry them because I don't think their defense is going to be able to do enough to stop Tom Brady because 
Tom Brady has done a really good job of calling the plays and running the offense on his own Mm -hmm. uh, with the help of Leftwich with everyone else. Them two playing together have shown that they have a pretty solid set of minds together. Mm. And with that, Brady... Brady Brady's going to do enough to keep Tampa Bay in this game. That that's the thing I can give to him. He'll do enough even if it's him not actually running throwing the ball, if it's him handing off the ball, mm-hmm. Brady's going to do enough helping with play call to keep them in the game. So Kansas City's got to be flying on, firing on all cylinders. Any mistakes Tampa Bay will exploit it. Number 2, the other way for them to win is they got to figure out the defense. Their defense has to be prepared to stop Godwin and Evans, mm-hmm. as well as whatever tight end Tampa Bay throws out there with Brayton Gronkowski. You've got to be prepared for all of those receivers. Um, but you know what? Let me flip that. I'm sorry. Let me take that one back. Okay. Don't let Tampa Bay run the ball. There you go. Make them throw it. Make Tom Brady's 43-year-old body beat you. Make that 43-year-old arm beat you. If you can make him beat you, you have a better chance because at that point, like you said, it takes away the time of possession. They can't run the clock. So mm-hmm. forget what I said before about the, the, the wide receivers and all that mess. Kansas City has to stop the run game. They stop the run game, they beat Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. I say um, the first thing they got to do to win this game, Kansas City, is you have to you have to attack Brady. You don't necessarily have to hit him a lot or even get sacks, but you've got to make him very uncomfortable. That's been the only thing that anyone's been able to identify over his entire 21-year career is once you make him uncomfortable, that's when you start to see the mistakes. And this is from throughout his whole career, not just when he became an older quarterback. So they have to attack him constantly all four quarters. That playoff defense that was able to do that and in a sense bend but don't break against San Francisco, they've got to do that here. It's even more imperative that they do because you're facing an all-time quarterback, not his backup Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's the first thing. Second thing is Kansas City, because of how much they're missing on the offensive line down three starters, you're going to have to move the pocket a lot. Pretend like he's Russell Wilson and figure out ways to create new pockets on either side of where the offensive line typically is. Because if he just thinks he's going to stand back there and that line is going to protect him, I mean, could they play an all-time game? Yeah. But it's not likely being down. I mean, your left tackle especially being down him. So they got to figure out creative ways to move the pocket or just go West Coast and it's a lot of quick passes to where the ball's out in under 2.3 seconds. But yeah. either way – you got to move the pocket. You got to protect Mahomes from what he doesn't have on the offensive line. No, I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. All right, two ways to lose. Yes, Mahomes Jesus. toe. <laughs> so, you know his toe's been bothering him. It's been bothering him for a few weeks. Yeah. And if he's not able to be mobile, if his mobility is limited, they're going to have a lot of problems. Because that's the reason why I said Tampa Bay's way to, way to win is to keep him moving. If he's moving too much, you might have a problem with him being able to really set and throw the ball. So that toe is one reason why they will probably lose. And then the second thing is the same way they will win is if they don't stop the run, if they don't force Tampa Bay to get rid of the ball on a regular basis, yeah, then you're you're going to run into an issue where you're going to take you're going to take an L. You're mm-hmm. going to take an L in this game. Yeah. So I say they lose. I know the run game is not their strength, but being down three linemen in the run game already not being your strength, and the strength of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense being oh their my, run defense. Oh my! JPP and Donovan I mean, Sue have been eating. Being completely dominated in the run—that's what's—that's what's going to do them in because you're not going to control time of possession. You're not going to be able to pick up third and one, third and two, and you're giving the ball back to Brady. So I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know if they can but they have to figure out a way to compensate for that loss of linemen and still be able to run the ball, at least to where Tampa's 
thinking about it. They're not going to mm-hmm. respect it, but they'll at least be thinking about it a little bit. You need that in Todd Bowles' head as he calls plays for the defense. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, kind of like I said with uh, the Bucks and how they lose, I said Mahomes, with the Chiefs, it's Brady. It's his experience, his nine Super Bowls worth of experience. If he is able to figure out what they're doing by the second half, Tom Brady can will this team to a victory because we have seen him do that against all odds multiple times in his career. And that's probably what it's going to take because I could see somehow Kansas City getting up on them or having the lead in the second half, and Brady has to pull another all-time performance out of his bag. This may be the last time he's able to do that, and this is the best team that he has had, or at least the best offense that he's ever had. So if Brady just goes God level on them and Mahomes can't match that, the Bucks are going to win. I can see it. Mm-hmm. All right, so final score. Are you ready to give your prediction yet? I know you still have time. I don't. Yeah. Do you have a prediction? I'll let you give your prediction. My prediction, and I lost sleep over this. I really, really did. Wow. Oh, man. And this has been one of the hardest ones for me to call. One rule that I tend to follow, like a lot of people, is never betting against Brady. My heart wants the Bucks to win this game. I don't ever bet against Brady because I want revenge for what Kansas City did to my team last year. I want your team to get revenge for me. Yeah. And I'm a supporter of the Buccaneers. So for that reason, one quarterback has played in one Super Bowl. One quarterback has played in nine. I got to go with Tampa Bay. Ten. 32 yep. to 29. Yep. This is being his 10th Super Bowl. This is a toughie. All right. I got to go with the Bucks and Brady. Okay. All right. Well, I will give mine on my solo later this week. Uh, I'm still debating. Honestly, I'm on both sides of the fence. I don't like betting against Brady, but at the same time, Mahomes has proven to me that I probably shouldn't bet for him, just against him on the spread. (laughs) (laughs) But expect him to be the money line cover. So we'll see what happens. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Okay, I decided to put together a new segment to play around with, and we'll do it quickly this time around. It's going to be the fair or unfair segment. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you four topics really quick, Jimmy, and I want you to tell me, is it a fair assessment or is it an unfair assessment? And I'm going to let you give the reason why. Okay. All right, you ready? Yes. I'm going to fire it up right now. So the Philadelphia segment, is it fair or unfair? The Philadelphia 76ers are turning a corner and can make it to the NBA Finals. Unfair. Yes, they are turning a corner, but I don't think that they are better than the Celtics. I don't think that they can beat the Nets. And if the Heat ever got right, I don't think that they could beat the Heat either. So, yes, you're turning the corner, but it's still into a dead end because you're not going to make it. Okay. I think it's fair because of the work they put in the Celtics in back-to-back games. And they're the number one team in the East right now. Mm -hmm. I think that it's fair to look at them as a team that can make it to the finals because it looks like Doc Rivers is actually showing me up. He's doing a really good job (laughs) on this team. Um, I don't know what it looks like long-term, but it is the first quarter of the season, which I'm going to talk more about on my solo 
quarter one, my quarter one awards. Um, but I think it is fair. All right, next up. The Miami Heat will miss the playoffs. Is that fair or unfair? That's fair. Only because this is a shortened season, um, again, affected by COVID-19. I don't think that they're going to be able to dig themselves out of this, which I hate. Well, okay, go back. You said make the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Yes, but as an eighth seed. So you think so, it's unfair to say that they will miss the playoffs? It's unfair because they're barely going to make it in, but they're going to get bounced early. Okay. I think that it is unfair as well. I think that they can make the playoffs uh, once people start getting back healthy. The biggest problem, I think, with Miami is that they're the one team that's dealing with the fatigue of playing in the NBA Finals and in a quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. They're probably that team because they're the, one of the hustlers. And Jimmy Butler did so much, you can see that it's starting to affect him. So right. I believe that they can they can turn this around. So I think it's unfair to say it this early. Okay. All right. Fair or unfair that Boston would beat Philadelphia in a seven-game series? Fair, <laughs> They beat him in sold. six. They beat him in six. And primarily because, again, just like we said, Jalen Brown just keeps getting Tatum is I mean he's where he was last year as far as establishing himself as an all-star and a superstar but Jalen Brown and I love seeing this. this is exactly what I wanted to see he's matching him he's matching him this season I mean they, they are a veritable you know two-man machine Jalen Brown that's the reason why I think it's unfair I think it's too early to even say like I said Philly beat Boston two games in a row nah. and if I'm correct was that in Boston probably uh nah. I, didn't, I lost it I don't, I don't. I think it's unfair to even believe that that anybody can beat anybody in a series the way that teams are playing. Yeah, they were playing at home, so no. I think it's unfair to to crown Boston as a team to eliminate Philadelphia right now. That could change later, but I think it's unfair to go this um, this premature. All right, last one. The Nets with Kyrie is it fair or unfair that they will not turn the corner and go deep and make a deep playoff run? When we say deep, are we talking about at least the Eastern Conference Finals? Yes, minimum final. Well, I actually say NBA Finals. NBA minimum. Finals. <clears throat> fair or unfair that they won't go to the Finals? Mm-hmm. I think that is fair. I've got a theory on them, but I think that is fair. Okay. I think that it is unfair. We still have a small sample size, as mm-hmm. we don't know what they're going to look like long term. Right. But uh, what's this theory? Okay, the theory is this. All right, so when you look at the most recent big threes, we'll say over the last decade, right? you had the Boston Celtics, you had the Heat, LeBron's Heat, you had the Warriors, and you had the, the Spurs, which no one even really thought of them as a big three, but they had a big three as well. Oh, yeah, definitely a big three. And what they all had in common was that they were tough. They were tough defensively. People yeah. always focused on their offense, but it was so much more of their defense that put their offense in position to do what they did, right. or to what they to do what they did naturally. So you look at this Nets team as currently constructed. I don't see any toughness, and I don't see them instilling any defensive fear in anyone because they constantly are giving up 130 and 140 points. So, you know, without toughness, without that fear factor, you can't compete for a championship. So my question to you is: Is it fair? to say that the Nets have no toughness and no defensive fear that they instill in teams right now. Oh, yeah, it's definitely fair right now. I mean, as soon as they got James Harden, they went to the worst <laughs> defensively rated team in the league, but they are the best offensively rated team. So if you got enough firepower, you won't – if you don't have enough firepower, you won't keep up with them. But as long as you got defense, you will hurt them. And I don't know what that looks like in a playoff sequence because, you know, right now as the season goes, no teams really play defense that hard. But once the once the playoffs kick in, because the refereeing is so much more tighter, they're more they're more disrespectful. They're allowing more disrespect, I guess you could say, on the defensive side. They allow you to push each other around for the most part, and that you get physical. Yep. That's a different animal. 
playoffs are much different than it is regular season. So I can totally see them looking different once the playoffs hit, but mm-hmm. Steve Nash has never really played on the team that play defense. So <laughs> if you really think about it, what where in there do they have someone that's going to instill that type of defense exactly. in them? So Exactly. Uh, man, that's a tough one. I, I think it's uh, – I don't know if I can say – yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. I think it is fair, though, to say that they don't have enough – they don't have enough toughness right now. They need, they need a goon. Yes. They need you, to go you find need, them a goon. A, you need an Oakley. You need a Draymond. Yes. You, you need, need – Udonis Haslam. You need exactly. somebody like that. You need someone that's going to go in there and be physical for everybody. So, mm-hmm. Good point. So let's wrap this bad boy up with a bow on it. Jimmy, you had something about trios? Yeah, you know, and I've actually been hanging on to this for about three months now. I was going to do it on um, one of my solo shows, but as I thought about it, I thought it would be something interesting, interesting to talk to you about. So going back to the Kansas City Chiefs, you have Mahomes, you have Hill, and you have Kelsey. It's hard for me to say that this isn't or isn't going to be the greatest QB-involved trio of all time in the history of the NFL because each one of these players is the best at something. You have Mahomes, who many would say is the best quarterback. You would have Kelsey, who many would say is the best tight end. And you have Hill, who many would say is the fastest, most dangerous wide receiver that we've ever seen. There have been a lot of fast receivers, but someone who's able to put it together the way that he has – at his age, we haven't seen before. So at the end of it, at the end of it all, this may be the number one trio of all time. But we've seen some great ones in the history of the NFL. So I had sent you a list of checked it twice. Yeah, checked it twice. <laughs> and I'll I wanted you to rank who's, who's naughty or not. Exactly. The greatest trio right now of all time in the NFL from fifth to first. Oh man. I am struggling. With, I struggle with making that decision because I feel like we're missing somebody. I do too. I feel like we're missing someone. So the list you gave me, you got Aikman, Smith, and Irving, mm-hmm. Bradshaw, Stallworth, and Swan. I didn't really get to watch them play. Montana, Craig, and Rice. I did mm-hmm. see them. Warner, Falk, Hope, Bruce. Yeah. Either or. <laughs> yeah. Interchangeable. I mean, interchangeable, and I think I, I did watch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly, Thomas, and Reed, mm-hmm. and that's up for the Bills. Peyton Manning, um, Edrin James, and um, Harvin Marison, and Reggie Wayne. Correct. And then lastly, we have... Um, we have Breeze, Camara, and Thomas. Uh, Breeze, Camara, Thomas. Throw them in there for fun. Uh, Stahlbeck, uh, Dorsett, and Pearson. Uh-huh. Elway... Terrell Davis and McCaffrey or Rod Smith. Yes. I feel like we're missing someone. Like, I'm trying to figure out, who did A.A. Ron have as his three-way when he won his Super Bowl? It was him. Was it, it wasn't Amon Green, was it, as the running back? Uh, receiver? No, it was Brandon Jackson Brandon, was his running back yeah. at the time. His wide receiver was George was Greg Jennings. Yeah. Good Lord, they didn't have anybody in the run game that <laughs> year. That was really um, mm-hmm. brutal. That tells you something. Um I guess there's a lot of people that can't tell me anything about Matt Stafford and his career because if Aaron Rodgers could win a Super Bowl with no running game and um, only a thousand yard, one thousand yard wide receiver, well, that's because Green Bay Green Bay had a winning tradition. Oh yeah, that's a valid point. Mm-hmm. That is a valid point. Um, ooh man. Okay, so number yeah. five. Yes, number five. Number five. I'm gonna look at this list. And I'm gonna just point around, spin in circles. Because we have to also add Mahomes, Kelsey, and... No, leave them out. Leave them out. Because they're young. I say when it's all said and done, they'll be number one. But leaving them aside... Leaving them aside. Okay. Yes. Bring me them. Okay. Number five. I'm going to go with... 
So I'm going to go with the ones that I've watched. That eliminates a lot of them. But okay. we're going to go with number five, at Manning, Edrin James, and I'd say uh, Harvin Marison. Okay. Definitely. Uh, they were they, That year they were good. They were really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, The Greatest Show on Turf. They were ridiculously awesome. I'm going to go with um, Warner, Falk, and uh, Isaac Bruce. Mm-hmm. I think that that was a very fun one to check out. Number three. Oh, man. This is where it gets tough. But we'll go with it. Montana, Craig, and Rice. How many yards did Craig put up when he was a back? I'm not sure. I don't feel like he was. I, I don't I don't remember. As a kid, I don't recall him being just ridiculously ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I'll put them at three just okay. because I know they won a lot of Super Bowls together, especially Jerry Rice is on that list. So yes. they got to be on there. Number two, as a three-way, we're going to go ahead and throw in Elway, Terrell Davis, and uh, Ed McCaffrey. I knew you would say that. They were – I, I knew that Terrell was Terrell Davis was for 2,000 yards. They were a ridiculously yeah. good team. And back, he was a Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, back to back champs. Something. Right. So, and he were back-to-back, so you got to give him that. <clears throat> and so, number one, I got to give it to Aikman, Smith, and Irving. Okay. Uh, Yards-wise, Smith, career, career guy. Uh, Irving was, I actually liked Irving a lot as a kid. He was probably one of my favorite wide receivers growing up. Um, and Troy Aikman's from Oklahoma, so I had to go ahead and show him a little bit of love. Mm-hmm. Good old Hennessy. Okay. So we'll do that. All right, so number five for me, uh, I'm going to go with the Bills, Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, and Andre Reid. All three in the Hall of Fame. Yes, four straight Super Bowls. I mean, which is a feat in and of itself, even yes. though they didn't bring Getting one home. Getting there is hard. Yeah. Enough. But that team, they were so, it was Marv Levy, I think, was so well coached. They were so much better than everyone else is just bad luck, but they were a fantastic trio. Thurman Thomas out of Oklahoma State, as a matter of fact. Number four, I'm going to go with Bradshaw, Stallworth, and Swan because, to my knowledge, up until that point, there hadn't been this type of wide receiver duo before that was this prolific, and they won multiple championships as well. I know Bradshaw has four. Did he get all four of those with Stallworth and Swan? If I'm correct, yes. Uh-huh. You know, playing with the steel curtain behind you, no, no salary cap, no free agency, et cetera. I get all that. But they're my number four. And that's why I couldn't – I had the Bills at four originally, but they didn't win any of those championships. So I put them at five and then put the Steelers trio at four. Number three, greatest show on turf with Warner, Falk. And I was always more of an Isaac Bruce fan than Torrey Holt. Me too. I don't know why. Even though I think Holt was more athletic, Bruce. Bruce was a better wide receiver to me. Yeah, because a better complete receiver. And the fear that they instilled in teams with that offense was unparalleled. And the things that they did with Marshall Falk at the running back position really hadn't been done before as well up until that point. So I put them at three. Number two, got to go with my team. 49ers, Montana, Craig, and Rice because you have two goats on that roster. Um, they changed offensive football with the West Coast system thanks to Bill Walsh. Yeah. And I don't know how many of those championships Craig run, won with them. Because I know Rice, he won five. I think he won or is all, it four? all of his with them. Oh, okay, yeah. So, I mean, again, Rice is still considered the GOAT of wide receivers. Montana was considered the GOAT before Tom Brady. I mean, just an all-time team dominated the 80s and number one. I echo exactly what you said. The Cowboys, Aikman, Emmitt, and Irvin. And the reason why is this. Each one was nearly perfect at their position in some fashion. You had Aikman, who to me, he was like the perfect game manager. He, and I know that that gets, has sort of a bad luster to it, to call a quarterback a game manager. But not in this sense. He didn't play out of the scheme. He didn't beat himself, is what I mean. He always seemed to make the right play at the right time. 
So Aikman, and they earned it too because they were, what, 1-15 his rookie season? Mm-hmm. To go from that to three Super Bowls. So he was the perfect game manager. Emmitt Smith, the perfect vision. Wasn't, wasn't ever the biggest, the strongest, or the fastest, but just could see things before they happened. He was clairvoyant in that regard. That's why he's the all-time leading rusher. So Emmitt had the perfect vision, and Michael Irvin, the perfect playmaking ability and the perfect personality. That's the kind of personality, he sort of had like some magic in him that can really popularize your league, and I yeah. think that he helped them to do that. So as much as I hated the Cowboys, just from being a 49ers fan, I loved each of these three. I hated Emmitt, but I loved him at the same time. I had nothing but love for Michael Irvin because he was a wide receiver. That's what I wanted to be if, I ever, if ever I played football. And Troy Eggman, like you said, an Oklahoma boy, I couldn't root against him either, even though I rooted against his team. So somehow yes. that worked in my mind. But <laughs> you got it. Number one, it's the Cowboys. That is the most iconic trio in the history of the NFL. Yes, so Rice and Craig both won three Super Bowl rings Oof. with the 49ers. Um, and Craig had a 1,500-yard season in, 1990, in 1988. Yes, he did. He did. He, he, he so had he, one. He had some so spots. He had some greatness. He only there. had 3,000-yard seasons, yeah. though, in his career, which was which I thought he'd have more. But mm-hmm. I get it. No double-digit touchdown seasons, though, at running back, yeah. which is – Quite unfortunate, but at the same time, they're monstrous. And so, like, and and I, I give that trio for Dallas together. They were together for so long, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and and full disclosure, everybody, I said this already. I'm only doing the ones that I visit, visibly got to see because of Jimmy mentioning it to me today that that was uh, one one idea he had. Because if I had more time, I'd probably be looking at some of the odors. Because you feel like there's someone we're missing. There's a trio we're missing. I feel like there's a trio that we're missing, and I also. Th- feel like I I didn't do the Stahlbeck, Dorsett, Pearson team. I didn't do them enough justice. Right. I didn't give enough love probably to uh, Jim Kelly, which I watched Jim Kelly then, but I don't think they were better than the five that I picked. Mm. Um, but I feel like Bradshaw, Starworth, and Swan maybe might have might have been. They might have been it. I I needed to – I would have to do more research mm-hmm. to really dig into them. But. We need like an old head who watched – you know, who's seen the history of the NFL could probably tell us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us their insight. Got to dig into that. So, I, I want y'all, we want to drop opinion on that. Let us know uh, how off-base we are or, you know, how base Jimmy is when it comes to that. I'm on base. I'm on third. He's on base. Actually, he's way off-base. So, that makes <laughs> sense. So, Jimmy, do we got anything on the editing room floor? Yeah, we got a little bit on the editing room floor. What did we um, get to? All right, so surprisingly, you probably know this. The Oklahoma Sooners are ranked number nine after having beaten their third top ten team over the weekend. Uh, I can't recall who it was. I think it was Auburn, maybe. Anyway, it was, was Bama. Yeah, it was Bama. Okay, it was Bama. Yeah, Which so Alabama that, is a top 10 basketball somehow, team. Yeah, so it shows you how weird the season is. But, yeah, so they moved up to number nine. So do you think there's a chance that OU, because they've made deep runs before to the Final Four, Elite Eight, et cetera. Do you think that this is the kind of season that they're shaping up to have? Could be, man. They're beating top teams that they're supposed to. Uh, hopefully they can beat the teams that they're also supposed to. Uh, that will help them. But, yeah, man, this has been a crazy year. We don't have the, the Blue Bloods up here at all. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's weird. Okay. All right, so Jared Goff has um, given a statement in light of the trade that occurred. He said that he is excited to be on a team that wants me and appreciates me, speaking of Detroit. Are, is Detroit going to trade him? <laughs> That's what I really want to know. I'm still weirded off by the fact that Detroit was so fast to make this trade go when there would probably be so many teams that would be willing to take Matt Stafford later on as we prepare for the draft. Mm -hmm. But 
Yeah, there's a chance that Jared Goff's not going to stay in Detroit. I mean, because, you know, when the musical chairs of quarterback mobility ends, they're going to be one or two teams without one, and they're going to be sitting there with him and probably Justin Fields, their number seven pick. So if that's the case and you're able to get more picks or even a player for him, you might as well move him on. Unless they just absolutely love Jared Goff and they've been targeting him for a year or two. Who loves Jared? Detroit. Just in case, if they, they might love Jared Goff. What else we got, Jimmy? You don't... You hate Jared Goff. That's what that is. I don't hate Jared Goff. I just don't think Jared Goff is that good. <laughs> I, I don't. There, look, <laughs> there is a level of thresholds when it comes to the top 1% versus everybody else. And then when you get to the NFL, it's the top 1% of the top 1%. There's dramatic differences in their, in just, just skill level. And because of that massive jump, Jared Goff's in it. He's an NFL quarterback. No, don't get it twisted. He's an NFL quarterback. He just ain't that good of one. Okay. All right, lastly, uh, I want you to tell me whether or not Kansas City Chiefs fans should worry. Uh, as of today, they have placed wide receiver Demarcus Robinson and offensive lineman Daniel Kilgore on the reserve COVID-19 list. Jay, do you think that these will be the only two, or is there more to come that could jeopardize Kansas City's player availability for the Super Bowl, which is the last thing anybody wanted to see. But what do you think Ugh. is going to happen? expect more i hate to say it i don't want it but yeah Mm -hmm. they've got it then somebody else is gonna have it in a few days i hate it i hate it because i want them both to be healthy and i don't want people to talk noise if my buccaneers do pull this off because (laughs) irregardless it'd be a nightmare it would be a nightmare yeah well we appreciate y'all joining us as usual here on unfair Make sure that you uh, share this with your friends. Sharing is caring. If they like sports, give us some love. Check out our YouTube page. Gifted. And uh, make sure you uh, like and subscribe there. And then, like Jimmy said, rate us and review us also while you're out there. Give us five stars. You don't think we deserve it? And just give us five anyway. So, for Mike, Bob, and Wendy, thank you so much for doing your thing on the production crew. And for my co-host, Jimmy, make sure you go out and look up some uh, Black History. You know, it is Black History Month. Officially, uh... Yesterday, as this is recorded on the first, right? But that's not the point. So outside of that, um, I'll have my solo later this week and uh, with some videos as well. And we'll chop it up in a few days. See you. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com Internet for details.